0: Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Mark Eatonson. I'm a licensed psychologist specializing in the treatment of pathological narcissism and related issues. Today I'd like to talk about interpersonal sensitivity and the legacy of relational trauma in narcissism. Narcissistic individuals tend to be hypersensitive to feeling criticized, rejected, humiliated, or ashamed. This tendency can be especially problematic in both personal and professional relationships because narcissistic individuals tend to perceive criticism where none was actually intended. It would be easy to simply pass this tendency off as being about vanity and entitlement. Essentially, it would be easy to say that, well, narcissists are so full of themselves that they become angry when others don't explicitly fall in line and support their grandiose self-image. And for some individuals, to a certain extent, that may be true. But as with so many aspects of this disorder, that explanation leaves out the heart of the issue. Sensitivity to social rejection in narcissism is really about relational trauma. In essence, narcissistic individuals become triggered by the perception that they're being criticized or by the feeling of being humiliated, rejected, or shamed. So today I'd like to discuss what that actually means, in hopes that we can further humanize this much-maligned disorder. And at the same time, I hope to emphasize the issue of personal responsibility. We can't help how we were raised, and we aren't ultimately responsible for the feelings that arise in our conscious experience, but we are responsible for our behaviors. Healing from NPD involves both viewing the self through a compassionate lens and taking responsibility for how we treat ourselves and other people. To begin, I'd like to acknowledge that nobody likes social rejection. It's normal to feel defensive or angry when we're criticized, betrayed, or humiliated. These are experiences that we all try to avoid because they threaten our self-esteem. And from an evolutionary psychology perspective, anger exists to motivate us to protect something we value. Whether it's a mama bear protecting her cubs or a dog barking at somebody in the front yard, or two children screaming at each other because they both want to play with the same toy. Anger is about protecting what is precious, loved ones, property, or even something as abstract as self-image. We all have a preferred way of seeing ourselves. We want to feel like the things we do are good and that they're valued by other people. Likewise, we also want to feel that we, ourselves, are good and valued by other people. When we're denied that feeling, we experience things like disappointment, shame, humiliation, or anger. For individuals with stable self-esteem and a flexible self-image, social rejection can be difficult to weather. But for those with unstable self-esteem or an inflexible self-image, it can be nearly impossible. Narcissists become so reactive and angry when they feel rejected, because to them, self-esteem is a precious commodity, and the roots of this issue lie in relational trauma. I went to a weekend training in mentalization-based psychotherapy a few years ago. It's a popular approach for working with borderline personality disorder and also NPD, and the presenters made a point of repeating that feeling misunderstood or mischaracterized is a type of relational trauma. When we're young and first putting together the pieces of a self, Feeling misunderstood can be devastating. I invite you to think back to your own childhood, and I'll bet there's an upsetting memory of someone misunderstanding or mischaracterizing you. Maybe you were accused of lying when you really hadn't. Maybe you got in trouble for something that someone else had done. Something happened that was unfair. These events, however minor they may seem, stick with us because feeling understood is a vital building block of self-image and self-esteem. Personally, I can remember being in kindergarten. I was at my after-school daycare. Someone fell off the swing, and the teacher punished me because she thought that I had pushed them. I tried to tell her that I was innocent, but she didn't believe me. She even went as far as to say that she had seen me do it. Now, I knew that she was lying, or at least mistaken, but I was powerless to re-establish my good name. If I try hard enough, I can still feel a surge of anger inside of myself toward this probably underpaid and overworked teacher who had the unfortunate responsibility of watching dozens of kindergartners. Her aim that day wasn't to perpetrate an injustice that would be remembered for decades. But that's exactly what happened. It sounds ridiculous, and in some ways it is, but not if we view it from the perspective of a child with an immature self-image. I'm making such a big deal out of this because in pathological narcissism, the self has been wounded. In many ways, it remains not fully developed. Evidence is showing that relational trauma can have a serious and lasting impact on psychological development. And relational trauma can be something sudden and horrifying like the unexpected loss of a family member, but I think more often, it's subtle and chronic, like persistent verbal or emotional abuse or neglect. Psychologists have long suspected that pathological narcissism is the result of a constellation of early relational trauma. Self-psychology, which is the field of psychology that studies pathological narcissism, points to caregivers who fail to provide consistent, attuned, empathic mirroring. Essentially, the child grows up feeling invisible to parents, or even worse, feeling misunderstood and mischaracterized. This results in deep wounds that sets the developing child at odds with their own emotional and social needs. Imagine if you were a young child and you ran to show mom or dad your latest work of art, but instead of celebrating your achievement, they got angry with you for bothering them or for using too much paper. And now imagine that this sort of reaction was more the rule than the exception. Over time, you might begin to feel hypersensitive to sudden social rejection, especially when what you were really looking for was approval. You might become increasingly shy about asking for said approval. Maybe you begin to defend against your own needs for approval by adopting an attitude of superiority. After all, perfect people don't need approval. You begin to bury your authentic needs for love and acceptance under a defensive facade. Otto Kernberg, a famous author on the topic of NPD and the principal developer of transference-focused psychotherapy notes that narcissistic patients often describe cold, rejecting, or covertly aggressive treatment by their parents. In other words, lack of attuned empathic mirroring combined with feeling overvalued or even exploited by parents for one or more favored qualities. For example, A parent might brag to other people about how smart or well-behaved a child is while essentially ignoring that child's authentic emotional needs on a regular basis. Basically, it's the combination of a lack of warmth and understanding combined with pressure to do or be something that the child is not that seems to produce a narcissistic defensive adaptation. The child's developing self-image becomes a quagmire of conflicting representations. Comfort-seeking is paired with rejection and humiliation. Being deserving of love becomes attached to unrealistic ideals, essentially the necessity of being shiny or flawless or a prize in order to earn love. The person becomes alienated from their authentic self. And this is why narcissists tend to be so sensitive to feeling criticized. These experiences trigger relational trauma and the narcissistic person lashes back with an angry attack designed to deflect those triggering feelings. The narcissist is mounting a defense of their self-image and it doesn't matter whether the attack is real or imagined. They are re-experiencing a devastating trauma. Their mind has been catapulted back to another time and another setting, a time when they were small and defenseless. And this is an important point to understand about trauma. When trauma is re-experienced, it isn't like the trauma is happening again. From a psychological perspective, the trauma is happening again. There's no subjective difference, no distinction between then and now, here or there. Trauma is like a photograph on the wall. It doesn't change. It doesn't grow or admit new information. When a narcissistic individual with a history of relational trauma is triggered by social rejection, they aren't feeling, quote, as if the original trauma is happening to them again. In a very real, psychological way, the original trauma is happening to them again. And that's why the reactions can be so severe and seemingly so detached from what's actually going on. The person is back inside a room in their mind where horrible things are happening unspeakable betrayals of their most basic needs for love, acceptance, and safety, unimaginable cruel or callous treatment of their childhood self. And I don't say this to excuse behavior that might be abusive, but it is important to understand that when a person is re-experiencing trauma, they aren't accurately perceiving the situation. And of course, there's a wide gray area between slight hypersensitivity to social rejection and full-on re-experiencing of relational trauma. Most people fall somewhere in between. Relational trauma is also somewhat tricky because the issues may have been encoded at a time before the person could even speak or before their self had a chance to consolidate into a coherent identity. There may be cracks in the foundation that can't be directly seen, but they can be detected by the stress that's placed on other parts of the structure. Whenever we talk about childhood wounds or relational trauma or abuse or neglect, Uh, It tends to bring up angry feelings, and I think that's normal, and it's okay. But I also want to stress the futility of placing blame for this sort of relational trauma. Even well-meaning parents and caregivers have massive blind spots. I haven't met a parent who didn't screw their child up somehow. In a way, it's inevitable. We're all human, and we hurt those we love, often without intending to. And even if that weren't the case, even if you had the worst parents in the world, playing the blame game won't get you any closer to a happy life. Whatever happened, happened. It's done. It's over. The task now is to focus on the present. So what can you do in the here and now if you notice this tendency in yourself or someone you love? First, compassion. Remember that this behavior happens because of an injury. When we sustain a physical injury, we expect that the area will be sensitive. The same is true for narcissistic injuries. If you've noticed, or maybe received feedback, that you seem really sensitive to criticism, or that you often perceive others as attacking or rejecting you when they aren't really doing that, then it may help to remind yourself that you are injured in a very particular way. Where others might not perceive any criticism at all, maybe you perceive a devastating blow to your self-esteem. Work on giving more space to both yourself and to other people. Give yourself space to feel hurt, wounded, or triggered. Excuse yourself to go feel your feelings. You can say something like, I'm having a very strong reaction to what you just said, and I need some time to make sense of my feelings. But also give others the benefit of the doubt. Practice not immediately assuming that they're trying to hurt you just because you feel hurt. Instead, practice making the conscious choice to assume that they have no idea that you're vulnerable in this particular way. If you had a bruise on your back, you wouldn't hold it against someone for patting you on the back and accidentally hurting your bruise. You might wince and you might exclaim, ouch, but you would understand that they didn't know that you were injured. Try to have that same mentality when it comes to this emotional injury. Second, take responsibility. Others are not responsible for your sensitivity, you are. If you try to hold your family, friends, or loved ones accountable for tiptoeing around you, all you'll succeed in doing is driving them away. This injury is yours to bear and it's yours to heal. Don't expect other people to alter their behavior because you're sensitive. You do the work to make it better, not them take ownership of your pain, understand that it doesn't make you a bad person, but it also doesn't make you entitled to special treatment. This is where therapy can be especially helpful. A therapist who's familiar with narcissistic issues will be able to help you develop greater self-compassion and greater responsibility. It isn't your fault that you feel the way that you do, but it also isn't anyone else's fault either. And this can be a particularly difficult pill to swallow. We naturally want revenge for the ways that we were injured, or hurt, or mistreated. But chasing revenge fantasies only drives us further and further into pain. When it comes to narcissism, the keys are acceptance, compassion, and understanding. As always, this information is presented for educational purposes, and it's not meant to address any specific person or issue. Only a licensed mental health professional who has talked to you personally can provide that sort of information. Until next time, take good care.